Hi, I'm Williams. I'm here with my uh, co-hosts, Jack and Trevor, and today we'll be going through another alternate United States history. Hello, I'm Hello. Jack. I'm Trevor. That is us. So, the focus of mine is on, specifically, if George Washington had decided to accept a monarchical position as head of the United States instead of president, so if he became king. Ooh. So our journey starts all the way back in 1787. Um, so the Articles of Confederation, they're not working very well, as with normal United States history. Yeah. So wow. this time the Federalists say, hey, let's have a democratic monarchy. Um, and they sign the Constitution of Independent Monarchical United States. Um, so basically it's the same thing. As our traditional constitution, but instead of having a president, we have a king. So does that change the name of the United States of America? Uh, not right now. It will change later. Interesting. So, so it's he's the president. Is it still democratically like? Yeah. So we still have a bicameral legislature, and we have court, a royal court system, but it's it's like parliamentary okay. uh monarchy of england so it's gonna be like passed down lineage wise from washington yeah so in 1789 george washington is crowned king of the united states of america and he names his adopted son george w park custis as the heir to the throne so i found this great youtube video um a while back which went through george washington's descendants um and talked about who would be king uh, right now if he had been crowned king. Uh, and it went through three different possible lineages. And the one I'm going with, his adopted son, the Custis Lee line, is the least likely to happen. Mm. But it's also the most fun. So that's the one we'll be <laughs> yeah, that's, following that's, today. That's some lineage. You give it to your adopted son. Way to keep it in the family, in the genes. Yeah, it's it's really not very likely. He probably would not have done that. Um, was that but first son? So that was Martha Dandridge's son with her former husband who died. Um, okay. And it's, so they had George so, W. Park Custis. So he is a is legitimate he, child. Is he eld yeah. eldest child? Um. Well, he's the only child that George Washington had. Um, oh. The other two possible ones would have been to give it to his eldest brother oh. when George Washington died, or to give it to. So um, George Washington didn't have. Or to leave it as Mount Vernon, so whoever owns Mount Vernon is oh, the king of weird. the United States. That would be a weird one. That would I be like, weird. I, I, think, I think that I would go with the, the son as well because, like, he could raise him, right? You know? He can't raise yeah, his I mean, brother. That makes the most sense from... Yeah. Well, it, it's a bit chaotic as we okay. go on. So, um, so, 1790 to 1791... King George feels he has too much power, so he passes the first constitutional uh, execution amendatory uh, via a royal decree. So he establishes a state's executive, which is kind of like a president, and puts checks and balances on the king. 
and then we have our Bill of Rights passed. So, so King, obviously George Washington in real history didn't want to be king, so I felt like this was a good way to keep his morality in check, was having him create a kind of a president role. So the king and the state's executive kind of work in tandem to rule the United States. Uh, so it's like Japan with the, like the military leader and then the actual leader, but one's kind yeah. of joking. So yeah. there's going to be no immigration into the United States for the whole history, right? Uh, I didn't really go into immigration. I kind of kept more just very specific straight line with the important details. I didn't really focus on immigration of course because but okay. there probably would not have been very yeah, much you're right doesn't that seem like more of a, a japan or a britain thing where it's kind of like i mean britain's because yeah. of their land but you know they want to keep pure so in 1792 alexander hamilton is named the first state's executive uh he establishes a per- permanent royal bank of the united states he assumes all state debt he establishes taxes, so the public support for him wanes. Um, then in 1793, Thomas Jefferson writes a article known as the Original Intention Articles to illuminate the failures of the new United States government. And Thomas Paine publishes The Natural Course of Nations, explaining the tendency of monarchies to be corrupt. Okay. Um, hmm? so, so people are, are – are they against Washington or are they against Hamilton? Uh, kind of both. They don't really like, they're seeing that, hey, we did this whole monarchy thing and it, it was actually a bad idea. Oh, okay. So, uh, 1794 through 95, we have the Whiskey Rebellion, Jay's Treaty, Pickney's Treaty. They all remain the same, pretty much. That makes sense. Um, 1796, there's a public outcry over the government's policies. Anti-Federalists call for the second constitutional execu- execution amendatory which makes the state's executive an elected position with a term length of four years. Thomas Jefferson wins election by overwhelming margins, and King George pulls ships out of French waters at signs of a opposition, no XYZ affair. Okay. Um, 1797, King George delivers his speech of neutrality, warns against political parties, because I needed to fit that in somewhere. So he'll just give a speech one year. <laughs> just be like, hey, oh... <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad idea yeah i may be president for life but hey yeah <laughs> i just gotta address it now in this random year exactly so 1798 we have the alien and sedition acts uh written in a way that notes that the u.s will detain or deport anyone uh considered hostile or like a warmonger so yeah we don't like immigration so we detain thousands and thousands of people try yeah um so 1799 we have fry's rebellion that gets put down uh convinces jefferson to lower taxes across the board uh the logan act remains the same and king george the first dies um so in 1800 uh king george the second is coronated so that's uh that is george washington park custis his adopted son so King George II is coronated, uh, Thomas Jefferson is reelected, begins to focus on Democratic-Republican ideals, and the Convention of 1800 remains the same. So I kind of wrote King George II as kind of like a pushover who wanted to 
be yeah. the same as his father, but never really could. So he's always trying to be better than he is. So he kind of gets pushed around a lot. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Adams. Yeah. Yeah. So 1801, we have an attempted Louisiana purchase by Jefferson. King George II blocks it because he was like, hey, my dad wanted to be neutral, so I'm going to try to be neutral and not start any heat over this. Uh, There are debates that ensue, and they come to a compromise where the U.S. buys New Orleans and the surrounding territories and the Mississippi River, but leaves everything else. We still get Mulberry versus Madison, and then Britain basically conquers the rest of Louisiana because France has basically just moved out of there, and it's free territory. So Britain's like, hey, we'll take that for part of Canada. Oh, so in in this case, we didn't buy the Louisiana purchase. No, we didn't buy most of it. We just got New Orleans and the Mississippi River. We we didn't get all the land, but we we bought the land that I thought was maybe the most important. Yeah. We bought what we would have bought if Napoleon didn't wasn't like, oh, hey, you can have all of it. Yeah, for like zero dollars. So from 1802 to 1811, pretty much everything stays the same. King George is a pushover who has no idea how to live up to his stepfather's reputation. And uh, Thomas Jefferson and James Madison pretty much run the country. And in 1807, Mary Custis, the daughter of King George II, is born. So in 1812, uh, the British gather forces in Louisiana. King George calls for no war per King George I's wishes. Uh, Britain continues impressment, and it gets pretty bad. Mm. So, did you hmm? question? Did you have? Did you trace the lineage of all these people? Well, the YouTube video did. And he put together a very nice chart that oh. has them all laid out. So it was okay. very easy to put it all together. So- how long was that YouTube video? Not very long. It's maybe 30 minutes. Really? Wow. So so all of these people did end up having children, so there was no issue with uh, filling the role of, of, of family? No, this is, this is a perfectly uh, straight family tree. The other one kind of fails, and it has to go back up and around and to the other side. Oh. Um, but this one has a person to take over every time someone dies. That's great. Nice. So in 1813, British U.S. skirmishes along the Mississippi. Congress finally calls for a war. They're like, no more. Your neutrality is kind of costing us people. So 1813 to 1816, we have the War of 1813 because it didn't happen in 1812. Um, the British occupy, occupation of Louisiana gives them territorial advantage, and the war lasts longer than normal. Mm-hmm. So in 1816, the War of 1813 ends. Uh, so King George, wanting to be remor- remembered for something, he wants British forts surrounding the Great Lakes to fall under U.S. control. So basically, U.S. expands tar- territory into parts of Quebec and Ontario. Mm-hmm. And... We gained control of Louisiana kind of out to Wyoming. We kind of pushed out that far during the war. So we got some more of Louisiana. So now that we're doing war, we might as well take some land. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Is it and, like an early early Manifest Destiny sort of thing? Or is yeah. It like a... Nice. So in 1817, we had the Hartford Convention. They rallied the Federalists. It still fails, but 
questions of states' rights begin circling. Um, 18, 18 to 1830, everything pretty much remains the same. One-to-one -one president state executive elections. So the person who was the president becomes the state executive. I didn't want to go into figuring out who would have been elected. That would have been too hard. Uh, <laughs> only notable thing is that in 1828, we have the tariff of abomination. John C. Calhoun calls for secession. King George, being terrible at his job, uh, is unable to stabilize things. South Carolina begins secession process. U.S. military is called in to settle things. Uh, Pro-secessionists see that separation may be possible. So in this case, is it still like slightly about slavery or is it just entirely on states' rights? Yeah, I think slavery slavery will definitely come into play uh, during the Civil War. But yeah, I'd say it's still there's still slavery questions as well. So how, okay. how closely like at this time, of course, we have complications with Britain, but like as we get closer to the Civil War, how how much are we resembling Britain as a like a still a newer younger country are we kind of I think getting closer or farther away as time passes I think we're resembling Britain a lot which is obviously not what happened and it's a good thing that it's not what happened but this is not as strong of a government that we're dealing with yeah but I mean in terms of what George Washington and Hamilton would want it was pro-British yeah. You know, yeah. Basically imit imitation. Yeah. Now, if they had been alive at this point, would they be so happy? Maybe not. Um, Probably. So this is where it gets interesting. In 1831, the, the Liberator begins publication. So abolitionists start becoming vocal. Uh, and Mary Custis marries Robert E. Lee. The Robert E. Lee. Wow. Ooh. Um. And this is all real history. She did, in fact, marry Robert E. Lee. Oh, well, Robert E. Lee, uh, that's, again, foreshadowing to mine. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, so Lee speaks, speaks about his support for traditional American values, including slavery. And we have the Trail of Tears. Um, of course. 1832, George W. Custis Lee, the son of Mary Custis and Robert E. Lee, is born. And we get the allegiance of anti-slavery, which is established in the North, kind of as a result of Robert E. Lee being so vocal. They kind of take action, and they form this group of anti-slavery supporters, um, and it's obviously mostly in the North. Um, and we get the tariff of 1832. 1833 to 1836, Jackson presidency remains mostly the same, except that in 1836 we get the 13th Amendment, which is the royal approval of state executive. Um, so basically, if the king doesn't like a certain state executive who wins, they can say, no, uh, you don't get approved to be that person. And it's kind of like oh. a rule that's there, but they never actually use it until later down on the road. That's a good democratic so is that uh, value. Well, remember, we still have... Um, it's a king, so they can make like a royal decree and say this is a thing. And now that Robert E. Lee is in the family, he's going to be playing the playing the game behind the stage. So he's going to be pulling the strings. Yeah, I was being mm. sarcastic to clarify. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not very uh, democratic. You're right. I have a I have a question. So is this like state executive person? 
similar to the vice president like are because the you know the vice president they have that it it changed for a period where it was no longer the the person that was second elected and now it, it becomes just whoever the king wants it's kind of is that what it's becoming yeah sorta so yeah they still they still hold an election but if the king's like nah i want the other guy he can say nah i want the other guy okay um, so in 1837, Rooney Lee is born. So he is also the son of Robert E. Lee and Mary Custis. Hmm. So and then U.S. recognizes the Republic of Texas and we start to get into those tensions um, from 1838 to 1845. We don't really have much change. Everything pretty much remains the same. But in 1846, we get the Mexican-American-British War. So Ooh. because yeah. Britain obviously has more territory because we didn't get all of Louisiana, um, they have established more of a presence in that area. And obviously we're not good friends with them right now because we had a really quite a long war um, and we took some of their Canadian territories. So we provoke Britain while fighting Mexico. And so the war lasts longer than it would originally have. U.S. takes additional chunks of Mexico, so we push farther than the Rio Grande because we're, we're kind of imperial at this point, not going to lie. Um, and then the Treaty of Quebec, U.S. gains control of Quebec, Newfoundland and Labrador, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and Prince Edward Islands. So we kind of crushed the, Britain, the British in their area, and they were like, stop this war. We're done with you. So we we're like, okay, we're going to take a bunch of your land. Um, so a bunch of the Canadians are really unhappy about this because – now they're Americans. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's like the results of the War of eighteen twelve in real life, but now that it's the War of eighteen thirteen slash eighteen sixteen. Yeah, that that like that didn't kick Britain out until this war. Yeah. Okay, so there's like that thirty year prominence, but instead of giving the Canadians kind of the option to be on their own. We're going to take total control over all those provinces. Hmm. So 1851, we get the compromise of 1851. It happens a year later because the year before we were fighting a war. Um, that's pretty much the same. Robert E. Lee speaks in favor of slavery. So he's like, I don't like those not slavery parts. And he tries to convince King George II to overrule it. He doesn't, but there's a lot of tension over that. Uh, the States Inclusion Act divides Mexican territories into four states, of which I didn't name because that would be too much work, and they enter as slave. Wow. Uh, it divides Canada ter Canadian territories into nine states. They enter as free. Uh, so the pro-slavery adv pro advocates are kind of outraged by this imbalance of power. Um, mm -hmm. 1852 to 1856, not much else changes. In 1857, King George II dies. And Queen Mary is coronated, um, and we get the Dred Scott decision. So with Queen Mary being in power, she's pretty much influenced by Robert E. Lee. He's basically running the country at this point. Um, okay. So 1858, she's influenced by her husband. He starts talking about plans to reopen slave trade and extend slavery into free states. We get the Lincoln-Douglas debates. In 1859, we get the John Brown raids. There we go. Yes. And uh, they they go as they did originally. We'll 
see when they don't go as planned later. Um, uh-huh. And the allegiance of anti-slavery has been gaining a lot of support in the north, and they begin plans to start integrating with northern states who really want to fight against this pro-slavery push that's been coming with our new queen. Um, so people are really upset with the dramatic shift in policy. Um, 1860, Lincoln beats Douglas, and Queen Mary executes the 13th Amendment, which was that approval of the state's executive. Um, mm. So she denies Lincoln the position, and the Union of Anti-Slavery States is established. So all these states decide, and it's basically in the north. It's everything north of New York State and up into Canada. They're like, mm. no, we're not going to say yes to this slavery it's push. It's a bigger territory uh, than it is. Yeah, it is much bigger than it and was before. Also, um, just to... Uh, maybe i missed this there's no like um is there still no slavery coming in or was that never a thing so so she's queen mary has decided that she wants to start bringing more slaves in we did stop the slave trade but we want to restart it again because go america i don't know exactly (laughs) what so the first king would have wanted yeah. So the Obedience Enforcement Act is passed, so the U.S. government can send troops to control unruly states. This is basically a result to the Union saying no more of this. So uh, 1861 to 1868, U.S. troops are sent to subdue the Union of Anti-Slavery States. It results in a civil war, uh, kind of in reverse. Um, in 1862, the Union of Anti-Slavery States are the ones who secede. Um, so they say we're seceding. Obviously, it's not recognized. And uh, they're, they ask Lincoln to lead, but he does not want to break the Union, so he says no. And so they don't really have a leader, and that stinks for them. So the U.S. government successfully quells the revolt over the course of those years. Mm. So... In 1869, Robert E. Lee III, who is the son of Rooney Lee, is born. So not the person, not George W. Custis Lee, who will be taking the throne next. His brother had that son, um, who he will become important later. Uh, The northern generals are executed for their treason, and the north comes under military control, kind of like we did to the south during Reconstruction. And... uh, the position of the state's executive is temporarily removed under royal decree because of all the trouble it caused in the past few years. Um, in 1870, we get the Slavery Inclusion Act, and all slave or all states will enter as slave, and all states that currently do not have slavery will get slavery. And also, Robert E. Lee dies, but Queen Mary has been influenced for so long now that she's really pro-slavery and. Corrupted. So, um, as this happens, and I don't want to jump the gun if you're you're going to talk about this, but if if the northern states don't want slavery overall, wouldn't they just not bring as many slaves? Yeah. So north? it's now allowed in the north. That doesn't mean they will use it, but it is allowed in the north. Um. So obviously, I'm sure some people will use it. Yeah. So I know I'm late. Hmm? Oh, sorry. No, I, I I was gonna say I know I'm late to the game, but um, it's this monarchy goes by lineage, 
Yeah. So so it wouldn't transfer it wouldn't transfer the power to Robert E. Lee. It would transfer so the power really goes to um the daughter. Yeah, so the daughter has control, but obviously he has the role of king with heavy quotations around it, but he is in control. He just tells her what to do and she does it. Gotcha. So, 1871, we get the Agricultural Promotion Act. It promotes farming and reduced funding to northern industry. So, basically, this is like getting back at the north. They're like, okay, we're going to be agrarian now. Um, In 1872, George Lee, who is also the son of Rooney Lee, is born. Um, uh, 1873, Queen Mary dies, and uh, George W. Custis Lee is coronated, their first son. And King George begins to plans to rework the government in the United States, and there is rioting throughout the country, because oh. basically everyone is upset and the government is falling apart. We wouldn't have anything like that in today's society. Of course no, not. No one, no one would riot Never. about it's, anything it's, in this. It's day. crazy. No, Never. Never. Everything is fine. Everything. Especially is right fine. now in all over our country. Indeed. Yes. So 1874 to. 76 we have an economic recession u.s markets begin collapsing there's more rioting country is in a bad way Mm. so 1877 king george iii orders u.s military to uh to seize the capital they take control of congress and the royal courts in order to stabilize the failing u.s state with heavy quotation marks because basically it's just a coup d'etat um so, yeah, country's in a bad way. 1878, the U.S. Constitution is replaced with the State's Treaty for Unity and Prosperity, which, yes, that does sound like a communist uh, propaganda great. thing, but it is not communism. Sounds very nice and peaceful. Um, so the United States of America is reworked into the Confederation of Independent States of America. Uh, so basically the trade – or the separatists from Star Wars uh, – the independent systems, but it's the independent states of America. Huh. Um, so we get a monarchy with limited checks and balances, a single repre- representative Senate, and a royal court. And there are very few rights guaranteed under this new government. Um, these states operate mainly on their own. They're very independent. They each have their own like personal state executive for their own state. And then they still rely on each other for economic prosperity, but yeah. – they're pretty independent. Uh, yeah. Uh, at, hmm? at this point, what is the pressure on slavery? Because, like, you know, we see that in, in the real real history, we had lots of pressure on us to stop slavery from other countries, and that was all the way back in, you know, the 1850s and 60s when it was still a, an issue, a real issue. So what is it like now, like the global atmosphere of – or? Yeah, so Britain and France really don't like us. They're they're kind of shame-shunning us for doing this. So they're like, nice job. You're really botching this whole thing up. So they're not going to be nice to us. Fair enough. We kind of stink yeah. right now. Yeah, indeed. So the independent states are desperate for money. They uh, There's talks of imperial expansion. Because who doesn't like making an empire? But, like, if they don't have money, then why would they do that? Because maybe they can be mercantilists. Okay, fair enough. 
Because that worked so well back when people did it. Is there still a big stick policy? Or like a Monroe Doctrine? Uh, sort of, but it's obviously not as prominent because we really don't have any foreign policy. Because we literally just reworked our entire government. So here, here's the mm. only thing that really matters. Is there still a gold standard? You know, I didn't think about that, but maybe. Well, the 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 silver didn't come in till uh, William Jennings Bryan, right? Yeah, and that that was the Progressive era. So, I I would say yeah, same Good. same gold standard. Yeah. Um. So 1880 to 1888, we start military campaigns in northern Africa, which this is exactly when the scramble for Africa really started happening. So basically, we're just involved with it. We didn't get invited to the talks. We just kind of showed up on our own. So the IS is competing for territory with France and Britain. So there's a bunch of conflicts there. Um, IS being the independent states. That's how instead of US, it's IS. Um, That's Mm. how I'll refer to it from now on. Um, So yeah, we France and Britain are kind of like, what are you doing? You messed up your government. You're trying to take our land in Africa, so. Um, 1889, King George convinces the Senate to grant him imperial powers. So basically, he's pulling a Julius Caesar right here. Um, so Senate sessions temporarily get suspended. So we're re- really in a bad way right here. Hmm. Um, 1890, the Spanish-American War. It happens a little earlier, obviously, because we're being imperial. Um, but it remains essentially the same. The IS keeps control of Cuba and the Philippines, and they go on to conquer most of the Caribbean. So we never get Cuba being a fascist state because we don't let go of it. It just becomes a American territory. Fair enough. Are there still like um, people that are against? imperialism oh totally but they have no power because each one of the states is its own little independent thing and each of them has very little power and the king has a lot of power fair enough um 1891 to 1899 not much else happens the is finalizes territorial expansion and they're kind of like okay we're we're done here we did enough they're they've gotten on their feet economically with mercantilism so it's not a favorable system, but it's working, and the U.S. is gaining money, or IS. <laughs> so this is basically where I start to divulge and go into bigger segments of time where I'm not really focusing on more specific things, and this is where you can help me figure out how the 1900s would have run. Okay. <laughs> so 1900, uh, Britain releases a statement condemning all the actions of the IS and their continuation of slavery, particularly, and they end all their treaties with them, and they they cut us off. Well, we're kind of being the bad guy of the world right now. I guess so. I mean, we didn't hit that, because America really got the world power status when... uh, post-Civil War, uh, when was it? I mean, I guess it was World War One. Yeah. But Yeah, and I think even in the Civil War, like saying that we can have half our country try and secede and we get them back and we have good control over everything so it doesn't happen again. I think that's a that's like uh, an integrity yeah. sort People. of uh, 
Yeah. People are like, oh, these people are for real. Yeah. They're not just going to bend over. And yeah. I think that, like, of course, getting Britain out of the U.S. is a big thing, like, saying we, like, beat the Brits. But I think that the first real global power thing was the Civil War. Yeah. Um. So, 1901 to 1912, I think there would be a disparity of wealth, because those people who took charge during mercantilism and those big business owners who would be helped by the increase in resources would do well, as well as plantation owners, obviously, because we still have a South with slaves, so they still can do their business very well. Um, in 1913, we have King George III die, and Robert E. Lee III is coronated as King Robert I. Um, and the imperial age kind of ends here. We no longer are doing our conquest of the world outside of us until later. Um, so, are we good, hmm? are we in good economic? Now. Yeah, we're we're definitely in a better economic standing. The country as a whole is doing well. Um, but what about, there's lots of poor. Yeah, I was gonna ask, what about, uh, because all the states are separate, is there a specific, like, class system that's in place that's continuous throughout, or is that something that's not really defined? You know, there are bigger issues to worry about. Yeah, so culture across the states is kind of defined by their own states. People don't really move around a lot. There's like it's like going from country to country when you go from state to state. There's like you have a passport sort of thing when you go from them. So really, people stay very confined to where they are, um, and it's really the Senate representatives who do a lot of the communication, and then obviously the business owners who are transporting goods across lines. Um, but each of the states is really quite independent. So we kind of lose that national unity at this point. And uh, it, I mean, the only thing keeping us together is that we have an authoritarian king in control. Yep. No. So uh, 1914 to 1918, I said that the U.S. does not, or I.S. does not partake in World War One because we kind of stopped our imperial age just before this. And we've kind of broken all ties with the Britain and France, so we're not going to join that side. And we currently don't have any ties with the other side, so there's no reason for us to get involved over there. So I'm going to say we don't get involved. Yeah, that that would be uh, – right. that would just really be not smart. <laughs> well, it really is not smart because the war goes – about as long, but it kind of ends in a stalemate. Neither side really is able to win because our help definitely helped the uh, Triple Entente to win. Um, so it just kind of ends in a stalemate. There's some power shifting, of course, but Germany definitely is not left in as bad of a shape as it was before. There's a little bit of economic problems, obviously, because a war costs a lot of money, but it's definitely not as bad of a shape as it was before. So, so does World War Two not happen then? Uh, World War Two does still happen because Germany. I'm just gonna say Germany is aggressive no matter what. No matter what happens in history, Germany will be an aggressive state with Adolf Hitler in control. Really? So there still be a Holocaust? Yeah. Uh, I said that in the 1930s, Hitler does still take power. So. 1919 and 1929, it parallels the actual 1920s, but it's less extreme, obviously, because the IS was not uh, part of the 
World War One, so we weren't riding the hype of winning that war. Um, there's no prohibition because there's really no reason to be because no advocates for that can get their voices heard. Um, Anti-Semitism really has a revival here um, for whatever reason, but it's it's really bad. Um, we kind of are like only Americans. Obviously, that's hard because each individual state has their own definition, but if you're not white and you look different, anti-Semitism. Uh um, huh. In 1922, Robert E. Lee III uh, dies. So he was only king for nine years uh, there. So his brother, George Lee, is coronated. I think it's his brother. Uh, yeah, his brother, George Lee, is coronated. Uh, um, and so, hmm? Robert. Go ahead, Jack. Trevor, you go. Okay, I'll go. Um, oh, yeah. Well, we, we get into the Roaring Twenties, right? And again, I, I don't yeah. want to jump the gun here, but. You know, um, thinking about from a technology standpoint, because, you know, we talked about the Transcontinental Railroad. Uh, what what do you think or, or what do we think as a group um, would happen with technological advancement? Because, of course, the Roaring Twenties is lessened by the fact that we're not in World War One, which you previously said. But without as much interstate travel, uh, etc., what do you think? Are, are we as uh, technologically advanced, technologically progressive as we were at that time? Or is it just kind of how it was before where everyone, you know, is still farming and, and that, that sort of thing? I, I think it's more agriculturally based because slavery is still prominent throughout the country. So a lot of the Southern states wouldn't turn to a industrial agricultural combo. Yeah. You know what I mean? You still have to keep up with the rest of the world to some extent, right? I mean, it can't be yeah. all hand labor forever, but I definitely think yeah. that it would be slower. Yeah. I would say it's slower as well. Um, so, 1924, uh, Robert E. Lee IV is born. So that's the son of George Lee, who is now the king. Um, in yeah, and Robert E. Lee IV is going to be our current king. So when he is coronated, he will be king until we are alive today, which is an interesting mm. little tidbit. So. 1930 to 1938, there's a minor economic recession as a result of the struggles in Europe with their economic problems. Um, and at this time, Adolf, Adolf, Adolf Hitler makes contact with King George IV to discuss a possible allegiance because they're both pro-anti-Semitism guys. Huh? So basically, the entire Lee line has kind of been following Robert E. Lee's views of not necessarily liking blacks and that is carried true sadly through this line of people it, it makes wow. sense so that, that that would happen though i mean yeah. um, kids form your right. own political views don't just follow your parents that's my little yeah plug. but but follow them so, off uh, of factual based is, things don't yes. just read random things and say i'm going to go against my parents because they're my parents yeah so my question is 
so Adolf Hitler is he still like pairing off with uh, Stalin as well? Yeah, like we still don't like communism because we are really quite authoritarian. This king is really kind of a dictator. Um, mm. Since the U.S. government was reworked, it's really not a king, but kind of a dictator. But they still call it a king. Well, the him and Stalin would get along, right? Would they and, though? Like, mislabeling. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that is that is true. But we are going to eventually fight communism because okay. I feel like that's a natural tendency for the United States. We just have to fight communism. It's one of those events in history that just has to happen. Um. So, 1939, we get World War II, which begins, and in 1940, we join the uh, the Axis side because we have an alliance with Hitler and. We are totally not friends with Britain anymore, so it's on the basis of anti-Semitism, and obviously with our support, the Axis powers win, and it's a pretty quick uh, war. Um, we kind of crush them, and Germany gains control of large, large portions of continental Europe. Uh, Japan colonizes China and parts of the Pacific, and the IS maintains control over parts of Africa, the Caribbean, and the South Pacific. So basically, we've had three powers split up the world, and uh, Italy gets left in the dust because the Axis powers are like, hey, we can have the U.S. or Italy. We're going to take or the I.S., yeah. Yay, Italy. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Italy's really upset right now. Aw. It never gave him a chance. Well. He was, little, he was like last in dodgeball. Always the last uh, pick. <laughs> which side wants him? Yeah. Um, so 1946 to 1947, I say there's still some post-World War II struggles, um, but obviously this time it's France and Britain that are in shambles, not Germany, uh, which is an interesting twist. Um, yeah, well, team. <laughs> in 1948, King George IV dies and Robert E. Lee is coronated, and that is Robert E. Lee IV. Um, and... This is where, obviously, I had a very large range from 1949 to 1991. I think the Cold War would still happen. I think we're not we're not democracy any longer, but we're not communism. We're authoritarian. And I think that we would still want to fight communism. Maybe it's not as harshly in the beginning because it's not the opposite, but it kind of is the opposite. It, it's definitely hmm. the opposite in I, some ways. And, you know, of course not in others, but, like, the fact that everyone's kind of on their own and they're not all together is definitely an opposite even compared to, like, democracy. Yeah. I, I really I really find the Cold War, like, that's one of the, one of the most interesting units. And I'm sad it got yeah. cut this year, like, a lot. But just, it, it's the thought of, like, people fighting over essentially nothing yeah <laughs> it's just like it an ideology it it's so a, it wasn't a full-blown war which is what boggles me well yeah in this version of history it does culminate in an actual war with russia so um we still have the cold war the korean and vietnam conflicts still happen but this time it's not the democratic nation's asking us to get involved it's us just kind of getting involved as a third party and saying hey we're gonna end communism here um so that's kind of interesting 
in the Vietnam War, we're not helping France and we're not helping Vietnam. We're helping ourselves uh, there. So that's interesting. Um, are, are we more successful? I think that I think that we would be able to be more successful because we have the support of a not crippled Germany and a not crippled Japan. That's true. But are th- do they not have a strong alliance with like um, Russia? They, I think they still would have a strong alliance with Russia, and I think Russia would get more involved. So this would become a more realistic war kind of tension thing with Russian troops fighting American troops. Yeah. No. Okay. And in 1978, it culminates in an actual war with Russia. In the early years, you or the IS in Germany struggle to invade Russia in the winter because hey, it's just something you gotta do when you go to war with Russia. Um, but eventually they succeed and invade Moscow and we dismantle communism at its source. Um, and Russia is divided into military districts, which is mostly just area that is empty because Russia is mostly just area that is empty. Yeah. Fair enough. And then 1992 to the present, I literally just wrote stuff. So what do people think? Um, uh, probably not much more. I mean, the the global war on terror would start, you mm-hmm. know, uh, people, there would be terrorists still, and we'd probably actually be a target for a lot of, um, just like former Soviet, uh, you know, uh, officers like the KGB mm-hmm. and they probably just, they would still be, there'd be an underground communist thing still. And we'd probably get a lot of attacks from that, especially as technology uh, advances and hackers become more prominent. Yeah, but obviously those Middle Eastern states wouldn't have support of a powerful Russia. So I think we would be weaker and they would be weaker and it would balance out. Uh, here's, yeah. Here's a question. Um, so I just looked up, um, on hhs.gov, uh, the Office of Minority Health, uh, looking at the demographics of different minorities, and the African American population in July of 2017 was 41.4 million people, which is 12.7% of the total population. Do we think that now, if if we were counting slaves as citizens, like counting them in that demographic, do you think that that number would be substantially higher because of the growing number of slaves? Or do we think that because of anti-Semitism around the globe and, and our allies, do you think that number would be significantly less? Well, anti-Semitism is Jewish people. Well, that's not what I meant. I meant just discrimination in general, like the KKK. and Because I think those societies oh, well, would th- be prevalent to an extent still. Well, is slavery still legal? Is that what Yes, we're... it is legal in 2020. So I think my my thought on that is, would the population be as high? I would say no, 
because of there would be an increase of technology like despite despite um despite still having slavery there would still be more technological advances that would allow um cotton to be picked faster but it would still require slaves just not as many Mm -hmm. so there'd probably be a lot less push for slaves to you know produce more people yeah you know as horrible as that sounds but it it's what would have happened well i think with anti-semitism building and us being in leagues with adolf hitler while he goes ahead and wipes out the Jewish population of Europe, I think, and with technology improving, I think we may have carried that into our own kind of African-American style hatred thing where maybe we wouldn't go as far as totally purging them, but I think Jack's right. We would not need as many, and there would just be as much violence against them as we would expect, and I think the numbers would stay down as well. Are you talking about the 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 Hutus and the I forgot what, what their names of but that that genocide that happened Rwanda? in where it was like yeah the Rwanda genocide uh maybe not to that extent was, but because uh, that was that yeah. was more of like Hitler we got to destroy him uh but Hitler Hitler yeah, also didn't go just against Jewish people though you know he he That's was true. a pure guy. And I think that, like, of course, the Jewish was the majority of the population. And I think particularly uh, it's noted that they were discriminatory against the Jews. But we all have to remember and take into account that Hitler was he, he just wanted his country to be pure. And, you know, that's not in his eyes Jewish, but it's also not being a person of color or, you know, so so That's while true. he was going against Jews, he was going against a lot of other people too. It just happened to be that the Jewish population was a lot larger than the rest that he got to. Well, the U.S. has always been – it's always been not pure. Yes. Like we never tried to get rid of blacks. We always wanted them as a workforce. Yeah. Which is terrible, but it's the way we did yeah, it. And, like, I think in the beginning, if we go all the way back to, like, the first Massachusetts Bay Colony and, and Jamestown and all that, they weren't, they weren't like, we are taking all of this land here that we have, you know, it was just kind of like settlements. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, my alternate history right there. That was very interesting. I actually, I like, I like how you did it, where it's kind of like, you know, this is what happened, but this is how everything else would have happened if that had happened. Like, because what Trevor and I are doing is more of like, we said, we say like what happened in history, and then we changed it, and then just went a little bit further. But you really, you yeah, went and, from and beginning you, on. You got That's really... lucky with the lineage of of the Washington family where you could. Well, yeah, I I watched that video and I was like, Hey, this is an awesome idea for this. And I was so happy that I had that chart and everything just else just fell into place afterwards. 
And going. I also yeah. used the unofficial United States history cram packet <laughs> to uh, have the events that happened <laughs> in every single year uh, right in one place. Yeah. Uh, I never used the packet. What? What about uh, now? Going back to my project, just quickly. Um, I wonder, just you know, speculation here. I wonder if the first transcontinental railroad. Even though the railroads were mostly north to south, if it would have been a north to south um, route, right? Because we we kind of yeah. took more of the east coast and didn't venture as far out west, exactly in the way that we yeah we felt we needed to. Like with the gold rush and stuff, you know, you wonder if those things would have really happened. They did extend a little bit out west after the 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 war with British and yeah. Mexican. Yeah, at that right? at that point after that war, as well as taking Canada, parts of Canada, we also took the rest of Louisiana territory. I forgot to mention that. So we had our United oh. States plus Canada and a little bit of Mexico. So maybe it, it might have been delayed, like the the building of it, because of just the time frame of when we we retrieved that portion of America. And so we, we, it probably got set back a little because we're just trying to like tame the wilderness yeah. at that point. Yeah. But all right. Uh, Goodbye. For yes. Tuning in. Special thanks to Mrs. Merwin, of course. Who is probably yeah. the only person who will listen to this. If we're being honest. Or, or get this far, rather. I think yes. people will listen, but maybe not get this far. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Williams. Yes. It was a great, great presentation. I try my best.